Welcome to this episode of Hacker Public Radio. This is Zoke again, doing part two on the Sysinternal Suite. So hopefully you've downloaded the programs. I've got my wife's computer up and running, and I'm going to be running through some of the programs on there and explaining what some of the options are and what the output is. The files downloaded are zip files. You can extract them out wherever you want. They're just plain executable, so they don't need to be installed or anything fancy. When you extract them, for example, here I've got the autoruns program. We have four files, autoruns.chm, which is the help file, autoruns.exe, which is the, the GUI version, the Windows version, autoruns.sc.exe, which is the DOS-based version, and eula.txt, which is that wonderful end-user license agreement, basically saying if you die, it's not Microsoft's fault. So, if we go and fire up autoruns, it takes a little while to load here. And we have a window with lots of options here. Everything, Logon Explorer, Internet Explorer, Schedule Tasks, Services, Drivers, Boot Execute, etc, etc. Everything, obviously, has everything. And if you want only part of it, like the Internet Explorer ones, you just click on the Internet Explorer tab and it comes up with various things like the browser help objects. The browser help objects are basically the toolbars. And I can see here that we have Adobe PDF Reader Link Helper. Uh, twice actually, but we have that listed down. It tells you that where the file is. It's uh, C program files Adobe Acrobat 7.0 ActiveX ACR OIE Helper DLL. There's a checkbox you can simply uncheck that, and that will stop the program from running. It doesn't actually delete it from the registry, it will keep it there. What you can actually do is click on the link you want to remove and click delete or click the little X at the top or control D it says for a shortcut. I'm going to go and delete one of these PDF ones. Probably better leave the other one, the wife will be upset. But personally I can't stand Adobe and the way it takes far too much of your memory and processor power. So we can look through here and see what we've got. We've got the Zone Alarm Spy Blocker BHO. Um, leave that one in Zone Alarm. Meh wouldn't be my choice of firewall but works pretty well for the less technical. We can go through everything and list some of the options here. We have far too much stuff. We've got QuickTime. Well that can go. Hate QuickTime. That takes up far too many things. Bunch of other weird stuff. Uh, Microsoft did installs all manner of bizarre things. If you're worried about some of these you can then do a quick search on them through Google or something and actually find out whether they're spyware malware or just not very good generally. One example, if I can find it, was the the iTunes stuff. It has a, an odd name. Um, I can't find it at all now. It's, the name's French and it's just confusing. You know, most of the other stuff actually does say Apple, I schedule here, Apple Software Update Job that makes sense. It has Apple in the name, whereas the one that actually runs... Okay, finally found that. Yes, it's the Bonjour service. Bonjour, the French for literal translation, good day. It's kind of a silly name, and if you saw that just running, you'd think, what the hell's Bonjour? You know, it sounds a bit odd. Some of these spyware things, they try and call themselves things that might sound reasonable, but just seem a little odd. And that's one of the ones there. Now I know the wife's computer's fairly well kept up to date because 
I run stuff on it. Saves me having to faff around fixing it when she does something she shouldn't do, like that time she got the Sony DRM crap from a CD, and we still can't get the CD-ROM driver to work properly, at least burning CDs. Anyway, so you can go through all these different options here, network providers, and you can see you've got the, the Landman workstation, and it's fairly self-explanatory for most of those. And again, you can just go through, you can either uncheck them, which keeps them in the registry or the files around, but means they won't run, or you can delete them, which means it removes them entirely. So there's a few of them I've got here that what I generally do is if I don't like the look of it, I will just uncheck them and reboot the computer and see what's going on. And then I can just check them back if uh, I deleted something I shouldn't have done. Like that one time I broke the computer and stopped Windows from accessing the internet. But that's another story. That's about it for auto runs. Next up, we've got BG Info. Now again, this is a fairly simple program. It just creates text on the background. When you run the program, it gives you a list of options that you can, what text you put on there. Boot time, CPU, default gateway, DHCP server, DNS server, free space, host name, Internet Explorer version, IP address, logon domain, logon server, MAC address, machine domain, memory, network card, network speed, network type, OS version, service pack, snapshot time, subnet masks, subs, uh, system type, username, and volumes. You can get those displayed around on the screen. You can choose whether you want it to copy the, the user's wallpaper settings and then add it in, or just stick in the corner, make the wallpaper visible behind the text, put it on top left, top right, top, well, any of the nine corners, uh, sides, or middle of the screen. You can choose whether it goes on on the desktops or, or for console use or terminal server users and you can actually run a preview. As I said, fairly useful if you actually run test environments and things. There is a nice little preview screen option here which tells me all these exciting things default gateway 192.168.10.1 uh, the same DHCP server, same DNS server, free space 31.38 Gig, NTFS on C, the host name which I won't mention, Internet Explorer version, all these stuff that can be interesting and useful to you if you're testing. Well, I think that's enough about that. I'm going to remove all this before the wife complains. What's this weird stuff on my computer? Next was blue screen. I'm not actually going to talk about that because if you don't know how to run a screensaver, then what on earth are you doing listening to something like this? Contig makes things contiguous, contig exe, sys internal software license terms, blah blah blah, yes, I guess we have to agree to that. It's really exciting, standard Windows stuff. If you run contig, it's DOS based program, relies on NT's built-in defragging support to make specified file contiguous on the disk, use it to optimize execution of a frequently used files. Basically, you just run it, you've got a couple of options V for verbose, A for analyze fragmentation, Q for quiet. So, if we do contig A, it comes down and tells you which file you want to check. So, contig A, C colon backslash star dot star. I'm not going to do the entire directory. 
and it comes down and tells you what's going on. This file is defragmented. Oh, look, this file's being used by something else. Gotta love Windows for that. Uh, 51 files, one fragment, one frag per file, so all defragmented. Mainly because I ran it last week, defragged everything. But you can run that against specific files if you're having issues with some being rather big and bloated. Next one is FileMon. If you run the FileMon XC, again, have to agree to the software license terms on the new versions, didn't have to on the old versions. Straight away we have a huge amount of stuff. VSMon is doing something, accessing C windows, internet logs it looks like. Right click on that, exclude process, don't want to hear about that. SVHost is doing, well, everything. It seems to be accessing documents and settings, windows, the root directory, everything. So let's exclude that process. CSRSS is um, has got far too many S's for my liking. It's accessing lots of things. Windows, manifests or something. Right-click, exclude process. AVGCCXE, well, antivirus is running everything. Right-click, exclude process. AVG server, exclude process. ZL client, that's a firewall, exclude process. Explorer XE is doing stuff, exclude process. Winlogon's doing stuff, exclude process. Okay, I think that's about everything. Now, if we go and run something, let's find something interesting, shall we? Internet Explorer, that'll be a laugh. Run Internet Explorer and we can see exactly what it does. Internet Explorer is loaded up. Let's go to Microsoft. Micro. Oh, wait for it to load up. Come on. Microsoft.com. Uh, no connection to the internet is currently available. Well, I'm on the internet. Try again. Ah, now it works. And it's loading. Something. Still loading. And we're done. I'm actually on DSL, if you can believe that. I blame the wife's computer. Or just Windows generally. So here we go. Let's close that down for now. Let's see what it did. So we've got the logs here. Huge amounts of things. The scroll bar is the scroll bar is incredibly small. It's it's about three pixels wide. But it's it, it, I'll just read some of this stuff out. So in I explore XE, it opened a read request, tells you the specific path it was opening itself. It was a success. Offsets and length and stuff like that. File information tells you what was going on. Um, anything interesting here? Oh, it's trying to open up C colon backslash dollar extend backslash. And it was access denied. That's interesting. I wonder what's in the dollar extend directory and why exactly we have a dollar extend directory. I don't like things with dollars in front. Dollars are dollars are normally the hidden files, hidden shares for example. Uh they just make me a little nervous. So I'll be looking through that and trying to work out what's going on with that. Uh what else has it been doing? It goes down to documents and settings, all users application data, Google to find stuff. It goes to my DSC, whatever that is. It goes down to my cookies, it goes to my temporary internet files, my history, goes for some reason it goes to a different account for my wife's mother. It actually opens the My Documents up. 
it goes in there and here's another odd one. Yeah, make a note of that, have a look at that in a moment, try and work out what's going on there. Alright, it's loading up Adobe Acrobat, Ask P-Bar, Office stuff, um, yes, it's opening up the C Progress Squiggle 1 backslash Mozilla Squiggle, I know it's a tilde, I, I just call it Squiggle. It looks like a squiggle, it's a squiggle, because if you turn around to people and say, it's the tilde, they say, what the hell is the tilde? So it's a squiggle, you say the squiggle, top left of the keyboard, and they say, oh yeah, the squiggle. So, if I call it a squiggle, that's why. See Prograph Squiggle 1, Mozilla Squiggle 1. Okay, for some reason it appears to be opening Firefox app or something there, not quite sure why, but possibly Thunderbird, actually, that might make sense. Um, it opens... I mean, it's a ton of stuff. This this is barely uh, a fiftieth of the way through, and it's opening up a ton of files and success, 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 sharing violation. Oh, never see that in Windows, do you? But it goes through all these, and you can actually see exactly what files it's opening. So if you do get a program that errors, if, for example, you ran a program and it errors and said file not found, very useful, didn't tell you what file, you can run this file monitor, as I said, you'll have to filter out lots of these things. You can save as a standard filter set. And then you can run it and you can see exactly what file you exactly why buffer overflow. Well that's an ex explorer for you. Shocking that you know a Microsoft product might actually have a buffer overflow, but apparently MDM XE query information for iExplore and it has a buffer overflow. Well I never you live and learn. Car Microsoft buffer overflows. Yes, that's sarcasm for anyone that didn't quite get it. Oh, here we go. Couple of file not founds. Don't really care. It. I really don't give a shit about it. But it's trying to open various things here and failing on some of these. C program files. Internet Explorer. I explore xc dot local. But you can run these and see exactly what's going on and why it's erroring, which is pretty cool. And that's file one. Okay, next up we have handle. Run handle exe. It's a DOS one. Alright, go into DOS. Go into the handle directory and run handle exe. And watch the screen flood by quickly. We have a ton of stuff here. But it, sh it will show exactly every single file that we have open here. You'll actually want to grab or, or search through to find the specific files you find interesting here, but you know, it's opened up C documents and settings, uh, my name, my actual name, not Zoke, but I'm not going to say it, local settings, history, history.ie5index.dat, opened it for read, write. So, I mean, you can see what's it's got open, kind of similar to Farman, but works just once, just for the moment. I think that's about it for handle. List DLLs, which is another DOS-based one tells you exactly what versions of each DLL. So here we've got uh, MSV CP60, so Microsoft Visual CP for plus presumably, version 6.0 DLL, uh, version number 6.02.3104.0000. .0000. List of DLLs and the version numbers. That can be pretty cool if you're looking for a specific version number. We wrote our own programs at work and as I said, if you're looking for a crystal report screw up for the wrong version number in the DLL, which I realised when listening through I actually called something else entirely. But the version number on the DLL, and you can see what's right and what's wrong, so you can just look through for that. That's pr 
pretty cool. You can just get that run on a computer and then you can analyze the file. Pretty easy to write a simple program just to load up a text file output from here and run it through and see what versions of what DLLs are there and what is missing to quickly find what is the wrong one. Alright, logon sessions, which is probably going to be a DOS one again. Oh, look, yes, it is. And we have five, six actually, because it starts at zero. Six logged on sessions here. What do we have? My wife is apparently logged on. A non existent blank username is logged on. The NT Authority Network Service is logged on. NT Authority Local Service, NT Authority Anonymous login, and I'm logged on. Exciting. Tells you when everyone logged in. So the wife apparently got up at 6.52 and 16 seconds in the morning and logged on, which is when pretty much everything else started, or a few seconds later, and I logged on six hours later. Again, this can be used for you if you're trying to work out exactly what's running. If this machine was actually facing the internet, I'd be a little worried about having these network services running and I'd want to tie them down. Well, as much as you can tie down a Windows session anyway. Alright, page defrag. Page defrag comes and lists files and the fragments. So, C hyperfill sys has 61,133 clusters and one fragment. All exciting. Pretty simple, you have an option for defrag the next boot, or defrag of every boot, or don't defrag. And that's basically the choices you have. You also have a choice of saying how quickly before you abort, so you can have a, a 10 second timeout and you can quickly click the button and it will cancel. Running on your own computer, you might as well say defrag every boot if you're one of these people that, you know, you, you turn the computer on, you go off and get a coffee. You can do that. That's nice and simple. And if you don't, you've got the 10 seconds or whatever to hit the button and cancel. If you run and set it and you decided that actually you don't want to do it, you can just run it again and unset it. You just click the don't defrag option at the bottom. That's pretty simple. Process Explorer. So we have system idle process. Interrupts, DPC, systems got about 18 versions of SVC host. Why, I really don't know. It just always does. But the cool thing about this, we can look under here. System idle process, system, SMSS, XE, WinLogin XE, Services XE. So each one's calling the other one. Then we have SVC Host XE, and we hover over one of those, and we see the first one is the DCOM Service Process Launcher, DCOM Launch Terminal Services. Next one is uh, Remote Procedure Call RPC. Next one is for... Next one's for about eight services here, actually, but... We make updates and stuff. You can see exactly what everything is running, and you can actually right-click and say "kill process," "kill process tree," "restart," "suspend," "debug," "set priorities," and so on. And it actually tells you what they are. Real time is 24, high is 13, above normal is 10, normal is 8, below normal is 6, and idle is 4. Okay, we'll have to explain this briefly. It is very, very complicated, but basically, in a very simple way. The higher number is how it gets run. So, the processor is running away at stuff. The mouse and the keyboard, the processors are, are real-time, basically 24 or, or 30 or something, I think the process number is, I forget. Whenever the CPU is idle, it sees if anything is polling it, it goes through the interrupts, and so the, the mouse hits an interrupt, 
the keyboard hits an interrupt, the, the hard drive, everything will hit an interrupt when it needs anything. The computer does go through and check the interrupts for the highest number. The highest number is actually the king. Basically every second it will check whatever the highest number is and whatever is requesting part of the processor's time and has a higher number it will win. It is a lot more complicated than that because otherwise whatever is the highest process is always taking precedence. There are entire books and doctoral theses that have been written on this subject. Basically the higher number wins. So if you set a process up to real time and it wants to do a lot of stuff you will not do anything on your computer until it has finished. If Firefox for example is being a bit of a resource hog which unfortunately it is sometimes go into here, right click, set process and set it to be below normal or idle or something lower then what it will do is actually give you your computer back because you, know, you might find the mouse is not moving because Firefox is taking all the memory well now because it's below normal or idle you move the mouse, it's got a higher number, it gets priority Explorer itself, everything starts as normal if you find a process is taking up too much of your CPU time just set it down to below normal and most of the time it's going to give you computer back whatever it's doing is going to take you know three times longer than normal or something because everything else is now getting in the way but you can still use your computer so if you actually want to use your computer whilst doing something else do that if on the other hand you just want to leave the computer and let something run put it up as high I really don't recommend doing real time set something as real time you pretty much guarantee your computer will crash because it can't do anything else which is not good we can see all the programs here we can see Explorer XE for example it's got HK command XE which is the the keyboard it's got a extra a couple of extra keys and that's the thing that does that AVGCC XE the Google Toolbar Notifier command XE and ProsExp XE because of course that's what I ran as I said it's all lists up there and you can see what's running and terminate them and it's basically pretty damn good. There's also a search online option which uh, I don't remember being there last time and oh in fact if we do that we notice ProsExpXE now has launched Firefox. Firefox is running away it's got a process ID of 2644 it's using uh, flashes on and off, a bit of stuff but yes yeah, just Google searches basically. Nice and simple but you can see exactly what's running what, what called what as well so as I said, you can see here that Explorer XE called Pros Exp XE because of course I'm running a Windows Explorer session and I ran it from there. So Explorer XE called that. It's basically a pretty damn cool debug tool and it works better as a replacement for Task Manager as well. You can do pretty much everything Task Manager does. Possibly shut down. There might not be an option. Oh no, there we go. There's an option to shut down. It does everything Task Manager does and does it better. Screw Task Manager, use Process Explorer instead. Rootkit Revealer. Open up that, accept the license. Hit scan, bottom right hand corner, just hit enter, it's the default button. Run stuff. It dumps the registry down, it tells you what it's doing, and then it compares what the registry says the files are on the hard drive and what the files actually are on the hard drive. Trying to think of an analogy. Star Trek 6. Though we couldn't work out if they'd fired a torpedo or not their computer said they fired a torpedo they 
were fairly convinced they hadn't, they went down and counted every single torpedo, found out the computer had lied to them and it was wrong. That's basically what Rootkit Revealer does. It turns around to Windows and says, what files have we got? What have we got here? What have we got there? Windows says, well, we've got, you know, 43 torpedoes. It then goes and counts manually and finds 44 and says, hang on, this isn't right. It will come up with anything that is hidden from Windows itself, the operating system. Not necessarily a bad thing. Certain things, if you're using uh, Norton, well, first of all, why are you using Norton? But if you're using Norton Safe Delete, or whatever the, their version of the recycle bin is called, if you're using that, what it does is it hides the files from the operating system in a bit of a weird way, but it makes it so that people can't find the files, but they are available to Norton if you want to undelete them. That will turn up in Rootkit Revealer because there's a file on the hard drive the operating system doesn't know about. So don't just assume everything you see is bad. Most of it isn't, to be honest. What have we got here? For example, HKLM which is the registry key of the local machine, software, lick control, lick, that, that's L-I-C, Dan, calm down, lick control slash, lick control slash, lick control slash, lick control, bunch of weird characters, star, L-K-Z, lots of weird stuff. So basically, that's saying, here's something that's hidden, and the reason it's hidden is actually that's uh, the license control, I believe that is Zedmud, actually, that that is... But it's it's something my wife bought, and it's, she's got the license on the computer, and that's why it's hidden, because you don't want just anyone to be able to see the license. So there's a few weird things like that. Basically, run it, look on the internet, see what stuff you've got on there, because most of it's not bad. Well, I'm going to abort that now, because I can. You want to let it run. It takes, I don't know, half an hour. So it depends how big the hard drive is, how fast the computer is. Really cool program run it. TCP view seems to be taking a while to load. License agreement. Yay. What does it say anyway? Scope of license. Licenses. The software is licensed, not sold. This agreement only gives you some rights to use the software. This internal reserves all other rights. Unless applicable law gives you more rights than despite this limitation. Basically, we're not going to give you any chance to do anything unless you really, really must have to. And even then, we're going to argue about it. You may not do anything to this program apart from run it. You may not lend this software. So I can't actually give this software or lend this software to you on a disk, even though it's free download. How stupid is that? You can't export it. Subject to the United States export laws and regulations. This software is as is. Well, so is most open source, really, so I can't argue about that. Um, outside the United States, if you acquired this software in... Sorry, let's do the serious voice. Outside the United States, if you acquired this software in any other country, the laws of that country apply. No shit, Sherlock. Normally, whatever country you're in, the laws of that country apply, whatever. So, anyway, agree. And it runs stuff. And it tells you what's going on. What is connected to where. Apple Mobile Device Service XE 1520. I wonder what that 1520 is. Possibly a process number, I'm not quite sure. Sure if I actually bothered to read the help, it would tell me. Protocol TCP, local address, uh, this machine name 27015, that'll be the port number. Local host 4409 is the remote address. So it's looping back on itself for some weird reason. 
Google Tubal Notifier is going to Google, funnily enough. iTunes Helper. Oh, right, okay. The Apple Mobile Device Service actually is connected to it. The iTunes Helper, which is connected back to the Apple Mobile Device Service XE programs, because that's going from 4409 to 27015, so that's what that's doing. LSAS is listening on a couple of ports, but no actual connections. SV Host is doing stuff, Systems doing stuff. Seems to have NetBIOS running. Not good, but anyway, it's got stuff running. Basically, if you've got spyware running on your machine, chances are it's going to try and connect out to the internet. You run TCP view, you will see it. For example, if I try and pretend that something... Hey, let's use Internet Explorer. That'd be a laugh. Always is. Internet Explorer. We've run that. All right, so if we go to Microsoft.com and go back to TCP view, we now see pretty lights. Reds, greens. Greens are a connection just made. Red is one just ending. We can see Internet Explorer is going to lots of places. It is going to akame.com. It is going to a specific IP address. It is doing lots of things. It's interesting because I've got an option to resolve and it's not resolving them. But it's got lots of connections. It's gone to 77.67.126.50 which I bet will be the Microsoft website. Microsoft.com but you can see exactly what's going on where and what program is running what, which is pretty cool for checking spyware and stuff because you can actually see where on earth it is going. And it shows you things as they're opening and closing. So that is basically the main tools, except for PS Tools. PS Exec. So if I run PS Exec, it gives me a lot of options. So I can run, uh, I can separate the processor. So for example, to Run the application on CPU 2 and CPU 4. Enter dash A to comma 4. I'm just going to run some stuff. PS, PS exec, notepad exe. We run that and notepad kicks in. Wow, exciting. It's cool, as I said before, you can run stuff on other people's computers. And you can actually look at stuff and you can copy files over and you can actually run stuff and optional user ID and password and timeout and limited users and a billion other options. Trust me, it really is a cool application. Just go down and look at it and see what is going on. PSExec, backslash, backslash, computer name or computer, computer 2, computer 3 and all that. The file name, dash u for user, dash p for password, dash m for timeout dash s for running the remote process in the system account but it's really cool you can set the priorities up uh, and run everything and you can put the computer in there so you can run stuff on the computers that's pretty cool so if for example you sent someone an email with an attached excuse ball you could put ps exec in to run the program and you could get it to run under the system account don't ask me why that might be useful but yeah, someone might find that useful and if you do you're an asshole and deserve to die obviously. Of course, if you're emailing them, say, please, would you mind running this? That's fine. If you're not asking them to run it and making them run it automatically, then you're an asshole and deserve to die in a slow and painful death. What else have we got here? PS file. Run PS file. It says, no files open remotely. That's good. No one's hacking into the wife's computer, at least not at the moment. Again, you can see what files are open remotely, funnily enough. Again, if you find there are files open remotely, there's a possibility that that is a hack attempt or something similar. So something you want to investigate a little further. PS Info. 
is trying to access the internet, querying information. And here we go, PS Info. It goes off and says it has been running for 6 hours and 15 minutes and 20 seconds. It's a Microsoft Windows XP Uni processor free kernel version, product type, product version, service pack 2, for example, status. Error reading status. Hmm, figures. Internet Explorer version 7, system root C Windows, processors 1, processor speed 2.7 gigahertz, it's a Celeron CPU, 238 meg memory, and a GeForce 4 MX440 SE video driver. Now, you may find that useful to find information out about the computer that uh, you're connecting to. The uptime is probably the most useful. PS Kill. It's possibly my most favourite one along with PS exec for just screwing around with people again allows you to kill stuff on other people's computers you'll run PS kill dash T to kill the process and any descendants backslash backslash and then the computer name with a dash U for username dash P for password should it be required and the process ID or the name process ID you can find by running PS list on the computer itself which is the next one. PS list gives you a list of all the stuff running. System is process ID of 4, priority of 8, all that good stuff. Remember I was talking about priorities earlier. You can see the priorities here, most of them are 8. Win login is 13, CSRSS is 13, SMSS is 11. Still has too many S's in it. You can see exactly what's going on there. PS list will show that and then you can use PS kill to kill any of them. Or you can just give it specifically by name, which you can again pick from the PS list. Yes, logged on. Again, pretty similar to before, tells me that lots of people are actually logged in. But no one is logged in via resource shares, which is always good because that chances are means remotely. That would be the, I uh, can't remember the names of them, the weird computer dollar files and things that are, are the shares that Microsoft demands you put in but doesn't tell you about and hides them. Uh, PS service spams the screen in entirely because your list of all these things like WZCSVC for the wireless zero configuration service would be presumably the SVC bit. Tells you who started it, what the state is, stopped funnily enough. Uh, it's hardwired in, not wireless. Can't be asked with all the, all the security settings on there. But you can see exactly what's running, what's stopped, and you can actually start and stop things yourself if you want again on a backslash backslash computer name dash u for username dash p for password then you run the command you've got query config set config start stop restart pause con depend find security and that can be pretty cool if you're trying to run stuff on a remote computer that you really just can't be bothered to walk down eight flights of steps and go through the locked door swipe your card eight times to set up you can just do it all remotely and I think that's about it. That's all the PS tools. That's all the rest of it. I'm now going to go and work out what on earth the dollar extend and dollar directory files are and why they're floating around on my wife's computer. I'm sure a quick Google will enlighten me on that. I'd like to thank everyone for their feedback. Well, actually I'm recording this on the day that the last episode came out, so only two people have actually told me about how the last one went over. Dave Yates because I sent him an early version and said, Here Dave, listen to this and see what it's like. He came back and said, It's great, you're a natural. And then Dan listened to it and did love the reference to himself. So, hey Dan. And he enjoyed it. 
but did complain it was far too window-centric, so now I've just spent the last however long it is, because uh, I don't know, I'm running multiple channels on Audacity because I keep changing and recording bits because you really don't want me to run Rootkit Revealer and say, oh, I'm going to do this, and oh, it doesn't work. So thank you very much. Shout out to Dan and Dave. Thank you very much for your comments. This has been Zoke on Sysinternals Part 2, and you've been listening to Hacker Public Radio. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs. 